This can be played at high volume. Live and local. Let's go down to life, man. This is Acadiana's number one sports station. 1037 The Game. It's Saturday, and you know what that means. Finally time for the world-famous CD to step to the mic for two straight hours of no-holds-barred sports talk. It's better than Desperate Housewives. Are you ready? You better get ready. Yeah! Yeah! Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now on 103.7 The Game. And welcome, everyone, to a brand new year, a brand new Under the Dome with CD. We're coming to you live, as always, from the beautiful, dare I say, glorious, palatial 1037 The Game Studios. Baby, we're looking good. Oh, you're damn right. We're looking good. We're feeling good because we are in 2022 and hopefully you had a great 2021. Hopefully you are with us on this Saturday morning. Where we got a lot of football to talk about over the course of the next two hours. And we got a lot to cover. There's good news and bad news. The bad news is we're not going to get to it all right here, right now. But the good news is, is I got the time. And we got the time. We got two hours to spend with you. Hopefully you're enjoying yourself on this New Year's Day. And you're doing so, more importantly, responsibly. And I think also the other thing that I'm thinking about is the fact that we appreciate you. If you're listening in via the 103.7 The Game mobile app, if you're listening through 1037thegame.com, the tower power, that is 103.7 The Game. Hopefully you're enjoying that as well, because I know I sure am, because I'm here with you, and we're talking a lot of things involving the state of college sports and everything in between. So hopefully you're enjoying yourself as well, but let's go ahead and waste very little time here on this New Year's Day, part of my New Year's resolutions, to not waste any more of your time and get down to brass tacks of what's causing all this on a Louisiana Saturday morning with your Saturday Sports Sermon. The famous CD is on his soapbox to start your Saturday. Oh, testify! It's time for your Saturday Sports Sermon. The first order of business we got to get to has to do with what happened on Monday night with the New Orleans Saints losing in just embarrassing fashion to the Miami Dolphins. And people who have listened to me over the last year know that I admittedly had very little confidence in one Ian Book. And it's for a lot of reasons, if we're going to be quite honest with each other. There's a lot of reasons why. I wasn't a fan of the team drafting them when they did because let's be honest do we really need to spend another draft pick on a quarterback especially at that point in that draft and early on in day three you could have probably wound up getting somebody like that in your undrafted free agency period is my personal opinion but it wasn't because of my lack of faith in the former golden domer that i wasn't really confident in Ian Book leading this team to a win. 
It was in my lack of faith about what was left of the Saints team after they were ravaged by COVID heading into last Monday's game against the Miami Dolphins. And again, this is a Miami Dolphins team that I mentioned was on a heater. Like that was something that I took away from all this is the fact that that team was on a tear. That's kind of been my whole thing is that we are seeing a team that was on a heater and then some. I mean, they've won seven straight games. That alone is enough to tell you, hey, this team's pretty damn good. But the biggest reason why I was concerned was because of the fact you wound up losing a lot of your key offensive linemen. And that was my biggest takeaway when it comes to the game itself. There was no reason why that game should have happened the way that it did. No way. No reason why it should have happened the way that it did. But of course, nature of the beast and some things just happen for a reason. And I was wondering what was going on there. And I think now we fast forward to today. I think we can all agree that we can throw that game in the trash can when it comes to grading out Ian Book as a quarterback of the future for this Saints franchise. Because I honestly can't take a single thing away from a from a loss like that. Because he looked like he was Der- David Carr with the Houston Texans. Not Derek Carr with the Raiders early on in his career, but David Carr. Because the offensive line was a freaking sieve. It's incredibly rare. But the Saints were completely outclassed in the trenches. The rookie got sacked eight times. Eight times doggone times and I'm absolutely flabbergasted by that but again you were lost a lot of your guys due to COVID along the offensive line a lot of your key players on the defensive front and that alone is enough to make you say maybe there was a conspiracy to get this game in solely to screw over the New Orleans Saints maybe that's just my cynical behind thinking that who knows But this was a game where I just sat there flabbergasted the entire time. Now, we fast forward, that team did not look great without Taysom Hill, without a lot of your key offensive line, and especially without a a good defense. Because, again, I think Ian Book, if he could manage a game well and have a good offensive line around him, and let the defense do what they need to do, I think that would have been a much better game. But it wasn't. That team was struggling for air. Struggling for air. Let me put it that way. And I mentioned filling in on Monday shows that throwing someone into the fire the way that the black and gold did. Now, mind you, they had absolutely no choice. I don't think the Saints were going to put Alvin Kamara in a quarterback and run a high school football-style offense. This wasn't going to be what we see maybe over in... Vermilion Parish. Just my humble opinion there. But it was very similar to what we saw many moons ago with one Brandon Harris in his freshman year at LSU and started on the road against Auburn back in 2015. And he folded faster than a cheap lawn chair. He could not get it together. He couldn't even think straight playing against a top flight team like Auburn back in 2015. 
Fast forward to now, that's exactly what I saw with LSU. Excuse me, when the Saints played on Monday Night Football. They took the field, and that offensive line fell apart faster than the Berlin Wall. It was a big reason why I think the Saints team lost on such a big stage. I never thought, and you know, I'm not going to throw shade at the guy, but honestly, I never thought I'd be excited to see Taysom Hill back at quarterback, but here we are, and he needs to play at an exceptionally high level and hope that the big guy upstairs has the chips fall a certain way if you want to keep playing past next Sunday afternoon. Yes, you have the Panthers and Falcons, but those aren't anywhere near gimme wins as maybe they have been in the past. Don't forget the Falcons are actually still in the hunt mathematically. And, you know, even if they lose on this Sunday, you know they want to end the season with a win and also sweeping the Saints for the first time since the 2016 season because they are our true blue rivals year in and year out. And I'm just going to come right out and say, as a longtime fan, I'll just enjoy these next two games. But at the same time, I'll probably be getting more and more frustrated because if we see what we saw on Monday night, I think that this Saints team will have done something we don't want to see them do. And that is underperform and underwhelm in certain aspects of the game. They cannot repeat, cannot play the way they did a while back. They can't play like they did on Monday night. They can't play like they did against the Tennessee Titans. This is the definition. You know, if you remember Rocky, there was a scene where it's like this. There is no tomorrow. This is it. This is your time. Either you show up and show out or you're, you're out of here. That's kind of where the conversation begins and ends for the Saints franchise, for the Saints team. You lose this game. It's an uphill climb. And I think you lose this game, you're mathematically eliminated, and then you have a chance to maybe get over the hump and beat the beat the Atlanta Falcons in your season on a high note, but at the same time, it's a sour note because you wonder if you're the New Orleans Saints, what are you really fighting for, if you will? What are you really fighting for when you're trying to move forward? When you're trying to essentially build in the post-Drew Brees era, there's a lot of things you're going to have to deal with. You're going to navigate the postseason, the offseason, like no other. Because I saw the projection of the salary cap for the Saints next year. There's $60 million in the hole. In the hole. And they're going to have to make some very tough decisions. I think Michael Thomas is going to be at the forefront of one of those decisions. But... You can delay that conversation if you can win either. Win the next two games. You have to win out. And if you don't make the playoffs but you win out, it shows this team had a lot of promise and a lot of grit. And at the end of the day, grit is all that matters in this world if you want to secure the bag. That's all that matters is grit when it comes to a game like this. But, of course, we're all just wondering what the hell is going to happen next with this Saints team because it's been an up-and-down road for a good while. I'll go ahead and say that. It's been an up-and-down road for this team, so hopefully they can get back 
into relevance not too far down the road because I think this team has that potential. They have to figure out – obviously, there's a lot of hurdles they're going to have to clear. This will be the first hurdle. And then down the road, once they get out of the season, they have to figure out what they're going to do with a lot of different guys. Namely, it obviously has to be one Michael Thomas. You have to figure out what you're going to do with him. Because it feels like, to a certain extent, maybe he doesn't want to be here anymore. I don't know personally. I don't know the guy. But it just feels like there's a lack of faith, I guess. There's a lack of want from him, at least from what I've observed. All right, it's Under the Dome with CD right here on 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. We'll take a quick timeout, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the college football playoff semifinals last night, a lot of blowouts, but that's kind of to be expected, right? It feels like that is a tradition unlike any other when you look at the way things kind of stand in the world of college football, especially when you consider the two teams that did indeed advance to the national championship. And it kind of like emphasizes a point that I made a while back. We'll talk about that next right here on 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. After all your problems during the week, it's finally the weekend. Woo! Yeah, baby! That's what I've been waiting for. That's what it's all about. That means you're getting more Under the Dome with CD right now on 103.7 The Game, Acadiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Whenever I was putting together this show and got a thought, you know, it's New Year's Day, kind of the national hangover day. So to take it easy and bring you some smooth sounds here on a Louisiana Saturday morning. Make it feel like it's nice and easy, you know, just to make it feel like it's a it's a, not, not quite a safe space. But it's definitely still solid enough. And what better way to start off the new year than winning a nice gift certificate? And we got a chance for you to win one inside the 1037 The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com. It's free to join, and you won't be spammed with any emails. You'll be getting some, but I won't be inundating you with emails every single day. But you will get the opportunity to win some phenomenal stuff, like a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. And you can only win by joining the clubhouse for free at 1037thegame.com. So if you're not part of it already, seriously, what the hell are you waiting for? So many great opportunities right now to start off your new year on the right note. And hopefully, you know, I'd say if you're listening to Under the Dome with CD, your new year is starting off absolutely on the right foot. It's starting off real proper like, again, this is just purely my opinion and if you want to call up and give your opinion about what I just said about the New Orleans Saints and their loss on Monday Night Football or anything else, we got the time because we have Blake Rufino coming on in about 9 or 10 minutes. But in the meantime, 337-706-0111, 337-706-0111. And last night was without a doubt one of the most like insane but expected 
in results when it comes to the what happened with the college football playoff semifinals because you started off with Cincinnati. They were completely outclassed in a lot of different situations, but here's the thing. They still competed. And when you talk about a team like Cincinnati, who I think we all expected, if we're being honest, we expected this to be a lot more reminiscent of LSU-Oklahoma from 2019. But Alabama still proved a lot. Proved, I think, number one, that this team is still a little bit suspect, but they are still a team that knows when they need to play at the absolute highest level. And it's from the Iron Bowl to the National Championship. Those final four games are the most important. Because one, you beat your in-state rival, you beat one of your biggest rivals besides LSU. You do that, then you move on to play in the SEC title game and go ahead and mollywob that team. And they did that. And a lot like what we've seen with the Cajuns, they've had games where they play down through the competition, then they play up and whip up on them, then they have a, a really decent win, then next thing you know, they go down and play a little bit further down to the competition. For much of the ball game that started around 2.30, that's exactly what we got. It was a Alabama team that played a little bit down to the competition and made this seem a little bit more competitive on paper in terms of the scoreboard. But when you dive deeper into the stats, and that's why I watch the command center part of the broadcast because it's a little bit more in-depth and in tune, and I like that. And we got, lo and behold, one of those lopsided wins that looks a little bit better if you're a Cincinnati Bearcats program that made their first ever trip to the college football playoff semifinals. Now, when it comes to Alabama, they did exactly what they needed to do. From the first drive, Literally, they ran nothing but run plays until the last play of the drive, the first pass, and it was a touchdown. They made that drive look way too easy and wore down an off a defense that was clearly outmatched and outgunned in a lot of different perspectives. But they played just to get that passing grade if you're Alabama. So that's something that we can say absolutely agree with because – I think if Alabama was playing like they we expect them to, where they are a team that's going to be towards the top of the world in football and maybe beat some NFL teams, this year is not that team, but they still got the win. So at the end of the day, does it even matter? Because they could have opened up a whole, whoop, a whole case of whoop-ass on Cincinnati. And again, we'll have Blake Rafino on in a few minutes, but I think everybody's talking about the new OC reportedly, and that's Cincinnati's offensive coordinator. We'll get some thoughts about that in a little bit, but I want all of you to kind of just take a deep breath, LSU fan, take a deep breath, and relax from what you saw in the Cincinnati Bearcats offense last night, and look at the overall body of work. I understand completely that when you have a team underperform against Alabama, and you play them every single year, and for the most part, for a decade since the LSU-Alabama national title game, which was about a decade ago, things have gone in a downward direction. They've trended downward. I think we can all admit that. 
But when you just look at the overall resume, just the last two seasons alone with Cincinnati's offense, it's been pretty damn good. You were top 50 in total offense in 2021. Then you were 24th in the country in yards per game in 2020. Just this past season, LSU was 86th. So in my mind, there's only one way to go, and that's up. Kelly and crew just need to develop quarterbacks and continue to go get the best wide receivers in the state and convince them to stay at LSU. And you've got a really good to great offense in the not-too-distant future. Now, obviously, you're having to compete with the wild, wild west of the NIL and the transfer portal and all that stuff, but hopefully that can get regulated not too far down the road. The other semifinal game, Georgia steamrolls Michigan. This was a game that was an absolute blowout almost from the word go. And the game got so far out of hand, I was just checked out. I saw the final score. It was about as lopsided as I expected. I wish you saw Georgia go up 20-3, and maybe they could have blown that lead. But no, they absolutely destroyed the Wolverines. This one I didn't really expect when it comes to how dominant that team was. The semifinals were absolutely one-sided as all get out. And that speaks to something that I think we need to get to, is the conversation we've been having for years is to basically expand the playoff and expand things because, oh, hey, we need to have more people involved in it. We need to have more parity in the league. Well, here's the thing. There's no parity in the league. There's no real parity in the world of college football right now. The only way you're going to get it and have an expanded playoff that's actually going to be somewhat competitive is if the Power Five breaks away from the NCAA and creates their own league. That's the only way it's going to happen. And even then, you look at the historical context of the college football playoff semifinals since it started in 2014, I think outside of a few games, they have all been blowouts. The first ever game of the playoff era was Oregon-Florida State and Jameis Winston got absolutely dismantled by an Oregon Duck defense. That's saying something. So every year we've gotten a four-team playoff. We've given the people what they want. Outside of maybe two or three games, they have been absolute snooze fests, and they've been beatdowns, and that's not what the world of college football wants, because it's it's watering down already. And if you have an eighteen playoff, like being like being proposed, or even a twelve at the most twelve, you are going to get in far inferior version of the postseason. Go look at, you know, let's just say it, the NFL playoffs, the NBA playoffs, the Pro League playoffs. You get to see very entertaining ball games. It's not too often you see a team just get outclassed in the first round unless it's a team that clearly isn't supposed to be there. A team that's 7-9 and nine or somewhere along those lines. A team that's just, they barely passed. That's the team that's going to wind up getting their ass handed to them. But right now you've got teams that are, undefeated teams that only have one loss on their record and we're seeing this play out where the biggest and baddest team in the case of this year it's obvious that it's one Alabama and Georgia that's what it's been all season long Alabama hasn't looked like a world beater 
but they're still the big dog on campus until somebody proves us wrong and actually beats them. Case in point, Clemson a few years ago. But there's not that many games that haven't been decided by at least two touchdowns in the college football playoff semifinal. I understand it's a small sample size in terms of the number and the quantity of games, but you've had seven years of the playoff. You've had seven years of the playoff and building a brand of the CFP. And what have you gotten? Semifinals that are relatively boring and a national championship game that honestly feels like it's a coronation ceremony for Alabama outside of a couple times with Clemson and then the LSU game where they just absolutely steamrolled the Clemson Tigers. There's a lot of stuff that I think that I'm sitting there like, why do we need an expansion now? Because let's say Alabama plays Cincinnati again in the first expansion of the playoff. Do you really think Cincinnati has a chance? No. Do you really think a team, with all due respect, like the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns, do you think they have a chance against a Georgia? Do you think they have a chance against a Michigan? Or whoever they could wind up playing in an 8 or a 12-team format? I don't necessarily think so. So it's going to be a hard sell for me to expand. Hell, I'll throw this hot take out there. I've been a big fan of expanding the playoff. I'm turning around on that. I'm officially turning around on it. It's time to regress and just have the top two teams face off, no matter who it is. Bring it back to the BCS method because at the end of the day, that's best for college football in my heart of hearts. The playoff hasn't paid off nearly as much as you'd hope. And this will be my last take for this segment about the playoff and more importantly, bowl season. Because our our guy, Jim Gazzolo, he's been filling in this week admirably, I'll say. And I talked to him off air earlier this week and said that the SEC could have gone 0-11 in non-college football playoff bowls, and they probably wouldn't care as long as they get to the title game and more importantly, the national championship. The people that are out there beating their chest and saying, SEC, SEC. They're getting what they want, and that's an all-SEC title game for the third time in 10 years, which, again, speaks to the fact that the playoff may not need expansion right here, right now. I think they could expand it, but if they do it, they have to have the Power 5 break away from the NCAA and have their own league. It's my opinion. But you think about it. The SEC wants that because the big money, the ratings, the exposure – For the SEC, where it just means more, the semis and the final, that's where it's at. It's not in the Duke's Mayo Bowl, with all due respect. We'll go ahead and take a quick timeout. When we come back, we're going to have on our guy, good friend of the program, Blake Rafino. Are you serious sports? We're going to talk about LSU, the bowl prep, and so much more right here on 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. The world-famous CD may be in his 30s, but he's still a kid at heart. (laughs) Now, let's get back to a guy that has an unhealthy obsession with a number that offensive linemen wear. With Under the Dome. With the world-famous CD on 103.7 The Game. Acadiana's Sports Station.
Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. And right now, we got all kinds of great stuff available for you right now that you can enter into in right now in the 1037 The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com. It's free to join. You won't be spammed with a bunch of emails. So if you want to get in to win a $150 gift certificate to either Mr. Lester Steakhouse or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino Hotel, well, guess what? You go to 1037thegame.com. You click up on the main menu. It shows 1037 The Game Clubhouse. Get in on the clubhouse today at 1037thegame.com, and you'll have your chance to enter in for a chance to win, among other things, a hundred and $25, gift certificate, excuse me, $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse and a $25 gift certificate or, excuse me, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino Hotel. That's absolutely some fantastic stuff that I recommend you get in on. But in the meantime and in between time, I think we need to get over to the 1037 Game Hotline. Got some calls earlier. Save those calls for the start of Hour 2. I'll make sure to get in on those a little bit later on. But in the meantime, we got to get over to the 1037 The Game Hotline. Talk with our guy, host of the Are You Serious podcast and part of Are You Serious Sports, part of the Believe Podcast Network. Our guy, Blake Rafino. Blake, how you doing, man? What's up, CD? Uh, happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you. Appreciate you coming on on a New Year's Day. But, you know, obviously we started to see LSU fill these coaching vacancies. We'll get to the Texas Bowl in a few, but obviously that's kind of the big headline <clears throat> right now is that LSU started to fill these coaching vacancies. And it started mm-hmm. earlier in the week with assistant coach Matt House of the Kansas City Chiefs jumping over. And I'm just thinking, are we thinking too much about the fact that he won't join the staff until at the latest mid-February if this team makes a run for the Super Bowl and not be in-house before – the second half of National Signing Day? No, Clint, because I, I still think that he's going to be doing recruiting via phone calls, right? I mean, I, you know what's better than one Super Bowl championship ring? Two. Yep. So when you walk into a house and say, hey, look, not only have I been a part of great, uh, a great offense, but look at what our defense did, specifically the linebacker play. Uh, Clint, you look at, at uh, the linebackers at Kansas City – you look at guys like Willie Gay who have improved. You you know you look at the Moulton kid from Missouri, who is you know some people believe Clint got snubbed for uh, the Pro Bowl as a rookie. Um, so no, I don't I don't have any fear of it. You know something that's been crazy is uh, special teams coordinator Brian Polian, from what I understand, has been really taking the approach and hitting the recruiting trail hard. Uh, talking to a couple of recruits, they're like, you know, they're telling me that he's calling them daily um, just to check in and just to build a connection with. So, no, I, I mean, I don't um, I, I don't have any fear that one of your coordinators is still coaching in, in the NFL and, and trying to work his way to the Super Bowl. I think that's why you see a lot of these staff hires being announced. Uh, Clint, honestly, I kind of want him to stay on, you know, and, and coach – and potentially get get to do and win a Super Bowl because I mean that just that puts another notch in his resume. Um, and, and look, talking to some coordinators and people around the country, uh, one coordinator in the SEC told me uh, a couple nights ago 
uh, and said that we could use it, but said that he thought that Matt House, when they played him in two thousand, played them in two thousand eighteen at Kentucky, that he was one of the toughest uh, schematic defenses to go against. So I, I, I think we'll be okay there. I'm hoping that's the case because it just I'm just interested to see how it's going to go. Now, mind you, of course, you've got a guy like Frank Wilson who's going to be one hundred percent the guy that's going to be spending the bulk of the time recruiting because he's obviously got those inroads throughout the state of Louisiana. It's a big reason why he came why? back. Thank goodness he did because obviously you wound up losing one of your core guys in Corey Ra- Raymond. That was a huge blow, but having Frank Wilson back definitely helps matters. But looking at the hires that they've made over the last, say, 24 to 48 hours in Jamar Kane, former LaTeX offensive coordinator Joe Sloan, and then you have – the big one, Cincinnati's Mike Denbrock. They're all being reported by numerous sources. Which one of those three over the last couple of days, the hires have been reported, which one has you the most intrigued? Mike Denbrock, without a question, Clint. Um, uh, look, I, I've been kind of on this Mike Denbrock train, I, and look, we did like a Twitter spaces last night, and it was a lot of people just, you know, we were just talking. Clint, he was scheming people uh, and receivers wide open. I mean, look at there was a point, if I'm not mistaken, and, and and I didn't look this back up this morning. I think Desmond Ritter was 11 for 22 at one point during the game, and of the 11 incompletions, there were there were six drops and there was four or five batted balls down. So I, I think there comes a point where when you have wide receivers that are wide open, drop, dropping passes, you know, the, the two missed passes uh, dropped in the end zone uh, to start the game. Uh, it just shows you that when you don't, he didn't have the personnel, but he was still getting guys wide open. Um, I, I like Mike Denbrock a lot. I think he brings a spread concept, you know, and I don't mean this in a wrong way, but he's kind of a more polished Steve Minsminger on the spread attack. I, I, I think that last night, even though they didn't win, Cincinnati didn't win, it showed that he can, you know, really do good at, at adjusting, even adjusting mid drive on what the defense is doing, um, so I like him a lot. I, I think from an assistant standpoint, I think Jamar Kane is fantastic, and I, along with Coach Steeples, too. Um, Coach Steeples coached, uh, you know, got a team in the high school in Missouri to number eight in the nation, and he didn't – and then, Clint, he goes from high school head coach to an NFL analyst, I mean, NFL uh, assistant. Not just an analyst, but an assistant. That, that's pretty much unheard of. So I think that this staff is, is you know, there's two, there's three things that I, I've talked about with the staff. Either, number one, you've called plays in the SEC or elsewhere on the staff. You've been a head coach, or you have you have a significant NFL ties like Brian Polian. Clint, this staff has got, has got a resume galore, if you really think about it. Uh, and so I, I really like the way that Brian Kelly is piecing together the staff. It's like you know, kind of like CD. It's like he's done it before, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like he's done it before, and I think he's done a bang up job getting these guys in there. It almost feels like he's he's not, and this is not not knocking against Coach O or anything, but this was just an observation that I've had with him. A lot of the guys that he had early on and for the much of his tenure were his guys, his good old boys. That to a certain extent, Denbrock and O, and excuse me, O Kelly, they have had. They've spent some time together in the past, but I don't think that plays mm-hmm. nearly as much of a role. But you brought up what we saw with Denbrock taking and what they did against Alabama yesterday afternoon. 
is there any concern about this, or are you just like saying, hey, relax, look what they did over the course of the season and what his overall resume is, not just look at this one game? Yeah, and look, I'm on the opposite side of this, CD, in the sense of that you like when you don't have the personnel and guys are running wide open, I mean, where do you think that that comes from? You know, like, uh, but in 2015, though, when he had better personnel at Notre Dame, guys like Will Fuller, et cetera, uh, Notre Dame and Brian Kelly had their best offense in his tenure at Notre Dame. So, you know, and everybody asks, well, why did Brian Kelly let Denbrock go? Obviously, they're on good terms with one another, and that's why he comes back, right? Um, I, I, I just like Denbrock a lot. I think that from a running game standpoint, being a guy that's played, you know, the O-line, I, I, I like the way that he mixes it up. You're not going to get just the basic vanilla things. Like, look, you got to give Cincinnati credit. With a smaller, uh, not-so-physical offensive line, they found ways to run the football yesterday. They just couldn't stick to it because they were down. Um, I, I, I like the way that he calls plays, Clint. I, you know, adjusting mid-drive. You know, the, the fake – there was one um, – third down early in the game where they had a backside slant on the far side of the field. They did bunch left uh, trips and it was basically Desmond just had to read the coverage. They doubled the slant. He throws the screen on the outside. They get a first down. Then they go into the red zone. I think it's small little things like that that sets, sets so many things up for you. And then the next, you know, when they're in the end, uh, red zone, they come down and then the, the if you remember in the early in the game, they missed the backside slant twice uh, because they were so worried about the screen and just Ritter couldn't hit it. And I think that that's the kind of thing, the small subtleties you get with Mike Denbrock that even though it seems simple, he's going to make you cover the entire field. And that's what I like about him. Talking now, Blake Ravino, part of the Are You Serious podcast, right here on this New Year's Day edition of Under the Dome with CD. And obviously, that's kind of the big thing that we're all talking about, but we need to look at the Texas Bowl for a few moments. And, you know, one of the big surprises, or at least somewhat, was that Ty Davis Price had an interview with Jacques Doucet over in Baton Rouge yesterday and basically said he's opting out of the bowl game just four days before the actual contest, excuse me, five Mm -hmm. days before the actual contest. Were you surprised by that? And also, who's going to have to step up on Tuesday and really, I'd say, probably establish themselves as the bell cow heading into 2022? Because, again, the Texas Bowl has been, historically speaking for LSU, a really big ball game for a certain running back. Yeah, I, I, well, look, Clint, it wasn't um, a surprise to me. He's been, he, meaning Ty Davis Price, has <clears throat> been in California training for the draft. Uh, I know that, you know, it's something that we mentioned, but, you know, he want to formally announce it. Um in reference to running back, it's going to be interesting to see what Corey Conner does in a couple of days, right? Um, we're going to see if Amari Goodwin's good to, good to go, what, what, what he does. Um, but, you know, Clint, uh, something that's interesting and that we're trying to piece together, John Emery passed all his classes and looks to be academically eligible. Now, he hasn't played in any games and can take a red shirt. This could, you know, because still he could play in this game and, and not it'd be, you know, obviously counted apart before, and he wouldn't burn a red shirt. Uh, some things that we're looking into this morning, and look, it's New Year's, so <laughs> I'm trying to be cautious and let people have their holiday. Um, I, I, I'm keeping my eye on that. I don't think he's going to play. I, don't get me wrong. 
but don't be surprised if you see you start hearing some stuff in the next 24 hours um, that that John Emery is academically eligible, which is which would be huge for the team, not just in the bowl game, but it would be huge uh, all of 2022. I got one more before I let you go, Blake. Biggest key to victory against Kansas State, and why not throw a prediction out there while we're at it? Uh, biggest key, uh, don't turn the ball over, play good defense. Uh, I mean, Clint, look, uh, I don't think that this is you know, going to be a big game in reference to points if LSU's going to win. Um, <laughs> look, if you're if you're going to be playing a walk-on quarterback or, and or John Trey Kirkland, you know, there's some things going out about one of the walk-on quarterbacks and possibly, you know, not being there. Um, look, man, I, Clint, for me, I, I don't know how LSU can pull it out. I think they've got the talent to. But quarterback's obviously a big position. Um, I think if LSU wins, it's going to have to be like a 17-14 type of game. Um, I don't see it going that way. Uh, unfortunately, I think LSU is going to probably take the loss, but I don't think it's going to feel like a loss necessarily because I think that you'll still see flashes from guys like Mason Smith who we're hearing might be able to go. Um, and that's all, Clint, that I'm really looking forward to. All right, Blake, appreciate you coming on, my man. Enjoy the rest of your New Year's Day. Go ahead and take it easy. I'll talk to you down the road. Thanks, man. Uh, Happy New Year. All right, Blake Rafino. Appreciate him coming on the program on a New Year's Day. Like I mentioned, it's a day where everybody kind of, for the most part, takes it easy. We'll wrap up hour number one. Almost at the show. we got a whole other hour left of the show. We'll wrap up this hour with my five favorite picks to click for this weekend and a little bit beyond next right here on 103.7 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Don't forget to keep it locked right here. Under the Dome with CD is a show for all the degenerates out there. You make your rules and we will break them. Let's get back to the famous CD who will break it all down for us. It's well past time to kind of get back into the picks to click for this weekend to start off your new year with some dubs. We'll start with a game that's going to be beginning at 11 a.m. I'm breaking a rule more because of the fact I needed three college games and two pros, and I feel like getting into college basketball, at least not yet. We'll start with Penn State. I got them straight up against Arkansas. They're currently three-point dogs. I'm surprised that way against the Razorbacks, but here we are. I love what I've seen from Sam Pittman in his first two years, and getting this team to a New Year's Day Bowl is pretty damn impressive, but got to give credit to the Nittany Lions. I got to go with Penn State to win. Hashtag we are. Oklahoma State playing Notre Dame later today. I got to go with the Cowboys and Mike Gundy. This is an this is a pick'em game. It's it's even spread right now. I got to go with that against the Golden Domers without Brian Kelly. It just feels like Marcus Freeman, he'll lose here. But I think once stability is established in that program, they'll be front of mind when it comes to contenders next year. Did they get back to the college football playoff in year one? I don't think so. But, you know, crazier things have happened. And more importantly, Notre Dame always winds up getting a little bit of a benefit of the doubt. Then we have the national championship game on January 10th. This is an advanced one, and if you aren't near a sports book right now, get your behind to a sports book tomorrow or later today because Alabama is currently two-and-a-half-point dogs against Georgia. 
Go place money now on two and a half against Georgia. If you don't, you're out your damn mind. Go down the road somewhere and put your Christmas money, because I'm going to put down some Christmas money on the tide to win straight up two and a half against Georgia. That is like stealing. Got to go with Miami straight up against Tennessee in the NFL. Dolphins, they're on a heater. I think they could cause some chaos against the Titans team that's still trying to secure a playoff spot and also the AFC South on their part of time. Then we jump to Monday Night Football. This one was tough for me because I spent some time last night kind of looking over the spreads, and this was one where I was debating. I was questioning it, and I said, screw it. We're doing it. Pittsburgh straight up against Cleveland. They're three-point dogs. It's the last game for Big Ben and Heinz Field. I think we see a big win to end a career that I think is legendary in a lot of different fronts, but probably should have ended a little bit sooner because Ben Roethlisberger, we talk about Drew Brees looking like a shell of his former self in the divisional round matchup in the playoffs. Like This is the nth degree of, hey, he looks like a shell of his former self and he hasn't looked, I mean, think he could have ended his career a couple of years ago. He would have been okay with it because his body just wasn't like 100%, and it still isn't. But hopefully he can get a win. Hour one in the books, got Ross Jackson at 1130. We're going to talk some New Year's resolutions for your favorite sports teams and the ones we talk about. We'll get to that right out the gate, but if you want to call up, 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. Back after this. 